0: Joel Embiid
1: went down in the third quarter of the Sixers' win over the Washington Wizards on Friday night, hyperextending his knee. It came out on Saturday that he has suffered a bone bruise, but that the knee is structurally sound. He will be reevaluated in two weeks. What does that mean for the Sixers? What does that mean for Embiid's MVP chances? And what does that mean for the upcoming trade deadline? Let's talk it over. Alright, welcome everybody. This is Derek Podner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. You know, we have a 127-101 to 101 win over the Washington Wizards to talk about, in theory. Uh, the Sixers' fourth straight win, their second one in a row without Ben Simmons, their second one in a row to start off the second half of the season. But, much more importantly, we have a... An injury to talk about, which as I say that, it feels like that road is a little too familiar to go down. It is a road we have been down before. But how you doing, Rich?
2: Oh, okay. The injury that Embiid suffered last night, it it, it was just such a bummer. And while him missing three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, but certainly seems like he'll be able to return by the end of the season and hopefully, you know, has a chance, you know, if nothing else goes wrong to, uh, to play in the playoffs, you know, where my expectations were, I think you have to feel. Yeah. A a pretty big sigh of relief. I would say
1: when that, so I guess if you haven't seen the game, he goes up for a dunk off of, I think it was a DHO with Tobias Harris. It was left pretty wide open for a lane. Uh, a, what was it? Uh, Garrison Matthews, like a forwardy type, comes over to stupidly try to contest the dunk like he was going to do anything about it. Their bodies sort of collide. I think their hips hit each other. Not a, you know, not a, a, there was no intent. Uh, They just happened to make a collision in midair. And you could see Embiid twist. When he twisted, he landed all of his weight. His foot was sideways, and all of his weight came down on that sideways left foot. Landed very awkwardly. His knee buckled. It was quite clear at that time that he had hyperextended the knee. But since we are all veterans to hyperextended knees, we knew that there was stuff to worry about. Uh, And he left the game, didn't come back. Word came down pretty immediately. This was in the third quarter. Word came down pretty quickly that he would have an MRI the following day when they got back to Philly. So that MRI came back, showed no structural damage. He will be reevaluated in two weeks, which two weeks would put him on the 27th of March, which we're talking about eight games between now and the reevaluation. Maybe it happens exactly on the twenty seventh. It might be seven games, who knows? But somewhere around that time frame. That time frame puts them towards the tail end of a seven game road trip or a six game road trip with two more remaining. I would assume even kiss, if he gets the all like, clear.
2: Kiss those last two Goodbye. Yeah, he's
1: yeah. got probably gonna stay in Philly. He will most likely if everything goes well and that that reevaluation comes back clean, he would probably miss the next ten games at a minimum. And that's not an easy stretch of games. You know, you've got, you've, I think I looked at it of those 10 games, eight of those teams are currently at 500 or better. A couple of them, the Knicks. And I think the Warriors are like right at 500, but there are some pretty tough games in there. The bucks are in there. Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets. Like there are some real, like they, this was going to be a stretch. They would have had to try. Re- like they would have had to, their hands full just to go have an above 500 record, even at full strength. It would have been a a challenging stretch. And now without Embiid, it's going to be real challenging. And they're a game up on the Brooklyn Nets for the top seed. They're two and a half up or two up. Should have checked. Around two games up on the Milwaukee Bucks who are in the third seed. Look, this is when you saw that, like you said, when you saw him go down like that. There are a lot of outcomes that could have come to pass. And I think just a a bone bruise, and I think Adrian Wojnarowski called it a deep bone bruise is certainly quite a, right around the best case scenario. And there's a lot of impacts this will have from his MVP odds to possibly even his earning potential and we can get to that probably not because it, it, there's a lot that has to happen between now and then. But there are some things that will impact and it, the one seed, the MVP, all that. It will have an impact for sure. But I think you and I ended our last podcast with look, they might fall to the 2 seed. They might fall to the 3 seed. That's okay. They still have a chance in the playoffs at the end of the day at the same spot they might fall to the two they might fall to the three but as long as joel comes back and he's the same that's okay because they'll still have a chance
2: yeah w- when he walked off the court i was scared i mean i've seen him walk off the court with a what a torn meniscus which we didn't know <laughs> at I, the time and then i saw him score what like 35 points against yeah. houston uh with a torn meniscus I've seen plenty of football players walk off the field with a torn ACL, you know, Terrell Owens, Carson Wentz, those are the two that come to mind. So, you know, the way that he hyperextended his knee is. What was
1: Donovan uh, Achilles?
2: Oh, yeah. That was a great game. He threw for four yeah. touchdowns on it, too. Uh, I think it was a torn ACL. Yeah. It was, so. uh, that was, that was very impressive. The, um, yeah, I was scared. I thought there was a chance the season was over, honestly. And I mean, what a nightmare that would have been. And this is still, you know, this sucks for them. I mean, I think if you just think about Joel personally, first off, you know, the MVP, it's probably gone. I would be very surprised if if he can win it now. Just to miss that amount of time, yeah. You know, if as he we misses said,
1: another ten games, that's eighteen games. or 17 games out of a 72-game season, you are legitimately, at that point, talking about over 20, over a fifth of the season getting close to a quarter of the season. It would be borderline unprecedented.
2: And that sucks, because I wanted that for him just because he deserves it, and he really was playing at an MVP level. The problem is, this is a good MVP race. There are other players that are certainly going to play at the level of, of past MVPs, multiple options. And I can't imagine they're all going to be hurt for as many games. So that's that's gone. If you just look at Jokic
1: right now, right now Jokic has already played 300 more minutes than Joel Embiid. That's 30% of Embiid's minutes. By the time Embiid comes back, Jokic will probably, assuming he doesn't get hurt, have played 700 more minutes than Embiid. 70% more minutes than Embiid. That is a lot of ground to cover up. That's a lot of ground.
2: Yeah. So that that's probably gone and. In- if Jokic State's healthy, health, healthy, uh, first team all NBA is probably gone. You know what else sucks? They're not going to play each other this year because that at Denver game is during that road trip that you, yep. uh, mentioned earlier. That sucks that we didn't get to see those two centers at the peak of their powers play head to head against each other. Oh, well, I guess there will be another time. NBA finals. Yeah, maybe. So, uh, wouldn't that be great? The, um, So, yeah, I think then you probably go to, okay, what happens to the Sixers during this time? And the answer is they're probably going to struggle. You know, a lot is going to be on Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris to hold down the fort. You're probably going to see Doc Rivers for at least the time being start Tony Bradley because he likes playing Dwight off the bench. It's a
1: good thing that um, Joel anointed Tony Bradley as a franchise player right before this happened. So he has the confidence to go out there and execute.
2: Yeah. And then and then Dwight playing off the bench. And you know, to be fair to those guys, they played their two best games as in combination of the season. Certainly their two best non MB games, I would say, although Joe did play a little bit in the Washington game. Um uh, they, they both looked very good. Bradley looked like a perfectly competent rotation big and Dwight looked springy. Had a couple of uh, had a throwback dunk. Against uh, against Chicago a couple of nights ago, but it's going to be hard. And I, I think there's some level of uncertainty because the trade deadline is going to happen between now and when Joel returns, probably. Yeah. Yep. Does that affect what you do ultimately? I I would think no, if you assume that Embiid is going to be back healthy by the end of the season, but it could be, you know, a few weeks before Embiid returns. When and when they actually acquire whoever they they get, so that that could lead to some weird lineups and maybe some lack of depth, depending on who they get. Um, it, it sucks. I mean, it's it's definitely a blow, but I, I guess the good news is, like you said, they had a good chance of falling to the three seed anyway. They're still six and a half games up, I believe, on the number four seed, so they got enough room to. uh To lose a little bit of ground on some teams and still host a first round playoff series, they oh for sure, you know, banking wins like the last two nights in Washington and Chicago, that's critical, and they're gonna need it. And we'll see if uh, we'll see if Ben is up to the task without uh, without Horford. I so I I think Horford in this situation last season, you know, when Embiid got hurt, when he had the what was it, the ring finger got hurt, there was the shoulder issue in those situations Ben and Horford I felt like gave the Sixers a better shot Horford obviously terrible fit with Embiid but in those games he kind of helped it's going to be on Ben to uh <laughs> to really step up to a super high level I I have confidence that they're not going to be a complete train wreck but I think it would be naive to say that they're they're not going to be worse they they they're they're, they're, they're going to take a hit here in the standings sure
1: Um, uh, Milwaukee had started playing better. They are, are, it was going to be tough anyway. Um, which is why, like, I, so like, I'm disappointed for a number of reasons. I'm disappointed that Joel's is not probably not going to get a chance for that MVP award. Uh, that does, like, I think he, the work he put in and just the, he has been having an MVP caliber season and he won't get rewarded for that because of something largely outside of his own control. And that is on a human level. That is disappointing. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the one seed a little bit, only because I think it would be an easier path if they did hold on to it. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is one where I'm not assuming he comes back and we can get into conversations about that. It's hard for anyone in this area to forget what happened in 2017, which the parallels are a little too on point. Uh, he landed awkwardly in that game against the trailblazers on his left leg, uh, hyper it had a bone bruise in his left knee, missed a couple games, came back, had to go back out. Uh, and then the meniscus, the torn meniscus in that same knee was found. So we, we have a little too firsthand experience that these things can go sideways. You hope there's no underlying torn meniscus that they're yada yaddying about there. Um, so that would hopefully be different in this circumstance. You know, I think at that time in 2017, They had thought that was a pre-existing condition when it turned out he ended up having surgery on that torn meniscus. So this is different for sure. But knees are never like you always have some kind of concern that something could go sideways with a knee. But assuming he does come back in that sort of two to three week time frame, my thoughts on the Sixers season doesn't really change that much. It really is just there's always a percent chance. I don't know what it is, but there's a percent chance that things don't go according to plan. I feel like in Philadelphia, if you've been following this team for the last four or five years, you might think that percent chance is higher than it might be. Uh, but it, there is reason to be concerned about that. And also just on a human level, like I I was interested to see whether or not he would get rewarded for what has been a completely dominant season. Um, and also like he might miss three weeks now. And you add in the, the week before the all-star game, cause he was essentially been off since then. He goes a month without playing coming back from an injury. Like maybe he's not the same player. I'm not talking like permanently. Maybe it takes him some time to get back up to speed, up to where he was. There are concerns. I don't think it changes my outlook on the Sixer season too much, assuming things go uh, according to plan. But it, it's it's disappointing for sure. For sure, I f- I feel bad for him, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, that's my main concerns are with him, just because you know you win an MVP. That's something that'll last for forever, yep. and now he's probably not going to get a chance, but. I think from, you know, when he got hurt and that was, that was scary. I mean, honestly, you know, he's known to embellish injuries. I think in some ways I take, it's obviously always terrifying when he hits the ground and and you always wonder, but I do think like personally, when I'm, I'm watching it, there is a sense of, okay, like, let's see if you get up because sometimes you do oftentimes you do, but man, when he had his face in that towel and it was like, yeah, you didn't want to show emotion and, you know, obviously hyperextension. I mean, I, you could see why that was very painful, but uh God, that looked really bad. And, you know, it's, it's the type of play that uh you kind of wonder how it doesn't happen more. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like something that's, it was just a run of the mill play. And honestly, all of his force landing on that left, leg, like he at least dunked it. The, you know, the rim was able to brace some of his force. Yeah. Like, you know, when he made the, Block attempt against Portland last month and hyperextended his right knee, his yep. other knee. That was one where I was like, okay, that was a little bit out of control. That's always kind of a dicey landing. This one, I don't know. And it was, uh, you know, it, it was funny. He, it, first off, it was the first game he had played since this quarantine. He had no practice in between now and, uh, you know, the All Star game when he got deemed a close contact to the the barber. Did that have any effect on it? I don't know. But you know, he certainly wasn't rusty. It wasn't uh no, it, was it wasn't an issue of you know, he scored what, nineteen points in the first quarter in the first half. It was a, a very normal Joel and beat half. I thought his defense was pretty good. They were doing some stuff against Beale where he was playing in an inactive style. Yeah, it just sucks. You know, it was of course and of course he scores on you know, a really nice play with Tobias where they run dribble handoff four times. And I thought, you know, I wrote about this in my piece, but it was a, it was the perfect encapsulation of a team that is playing well, but it was also a perfect encapsulation of a guy who's had to play hero ball a bunch this season, not wanting to play hero ball. Like he wants to share it and, you know, get points within the flow of the offense. Uh, Yeah, it, it, it sucks. Um, I don't know how many ways we can keep saying it.
1: Yep. Team will be okay. Uh, Again, I'm just going to couch this with assuming everything goes according to plan with the knee. But if that is the case, I I think the team will be okay. It is interesting how you brought up the trade deadline because there is always a percent chance that the return isn't according to schedule or that Joel doesn't come back and is the same player. Does that little bit more uncertainty impact because the trade deadline is the 25th? Like we said, two weeks from now is the 27th. So there is some, uh, he's most likely not going to be able to prove that he is coming back from this knee injury before the the Sixers have to make all of those trades. So does a tiny bit of uncertainty change how aggressive Daryl is in going all in on trying to win a championship this year? Probably not. I don't think it will, but it is one variable to throw in there. The timing of it's just not super great. Not that there's ever a great time to hyperextend and and bruise your knee. Uh, but the timing of this one is certainly not not perfect.
2: I, I would hope it doesn't change the, the philosophy. If if you think you're going to get him back before the playoffs at his full powers, and, and like you said, maybe he's he's rusty and the month off hurts him a little bit and he's not, you know, he's X percent worse, which is a big deal when you're playing at this consistent MVP level. But if you think the knee is going to be fine this year, and like they said nothing structurally wrong with it as they said um and it's something that he can get back to 100% in the next 2 months then i think you still have to go for it because because they have i mean they they've put themselves in a pretty good spot they're going to be a top seed i i still think regardless uh of when he comes back here they've just built enough of a cushion on the rest of these conference besides Milwaukee and uh and Brooklyn but uh but yeah, I would. if I were to guess, probably the three seed. No, that would be their most likely outcome. Maybe maybe a team like Boston or Miami comes up to catch them. But I, I would still say at this point, I would be surprised if they do not host a first-round series.
1: Yeah. What do they have? They have 34 games left. They have a six-game lead, I think, on the three seed. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly—I still think they're going to finish in the top three, and I— sh- sh- kind of thought they were going to finish third anyway. So like I said, I'm not like, this isn't a panic podcast for me on the team. Uh, that, that would happen if, if there's any complications coming back, this is a, just feel, feel bad for Joel. Uh, and he was playing at such a consistent level too. Like that month off does worry me a little bit because the consistency was just something we had never really seen from Joe and for him to have that disrupted. I do worry about that a little bit, but we will, uh, we will see what happens in a couple of weeks when he comes back. Yeah. Tough stretch, though. Tough stretch. Tough stretch.
2: Well, shit can go haywire, and and obviously shit has gone haywire with uh with this team. Nice couple of games. Yeah. Besides that, I I, I felt not bad for Doc, but it was you know it was it was pretty sucky that they come back after the uh, after the break, they're shorthanded and. Doc's like, yeah, a lot of people said we were going to struggle. I, t- I thought they were going to struggle, um, you know, for good reason, because they had shown nothing without him beating Simmons before.
1: And also they hadn't won in Washington since the Nixon administration.
2: Yeah. They were awesome. Yep. That was, I mean, those were the best two games of the year, maybe. I mean, I don't, obviously bad opponents. They had some more impressive wins, like the, beating the Lakers is a, is a more, just getting that win. Yeah. Be, uh, with ad beating the jazz that type of thing maybe indiana but just for like full team performances they beat the shit out of those two teams
1: yeah yeah they did um and they i mean those those aren't great teams but you had a good defensive performance against zach levine held him the 19 points had a good performance against bradley beal held him to 19 points and now he's his season average against the sixers is down to 37 points per game after that After that 19 point showing, because he, of course, had that 61 point out or 60 point outing earlier in the year. And I think it was at like 31 or something in the other game. So he had been destroying the Sixers. So to lock him up a little bit was nice to see. And I mean, the bench, like Tony Bradley, my Lord, where have you been all my life? Holy shit. Um, He makes every shot he takes. He really does. Uh, And he, he had decent touch too. Like some of those were not just straight dunks. Like there was a couple post ups there, a couple rim runs lefty hook like he looked he looked pretty good in that chicago game and i joked like if this was 2005 he'd find a starting spot somewhere and that might be a little overselling it but he is that sort of kind of archetype that uh went out of of style uh but he does have some skill and and some rebounding do i trust him as a starter going no you hope this is an 8 to 10 game stretch where they have to rely on him uh but he he certainly gave you something to look forward to with that Bulls performance, I mean, he, he made everything. That was crazy. That was crazy.
0: As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with
0: 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time.
2: Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back to the defense. Matisse, again, really good. Yeah, he is on fire. <laughs> Really good, and it was nice to see him make some shots against the Bulls, too, as well. But Well,
1: that was the thing. He was, like, dominating that first half against the Bulls. He didn't score his first points until, like, 30 seconds left or something like that. Like, it was within the last minute. And then he went out, and I think he scored, what, 11 in the second half, made three threes. Great to see. I know he's shooting a pretty good percentage here from three over the last few weeks. It's on a tiny sample of attempts. <laughs> uh, but you're hoping, like, you're, I look, I'd love to see him turn his season around offensively become a more reliable contributor because that that defense is just, it is unique, not just in the context of the Sixers, but in the NBA, like he, the way he can pester people, the way he can force, I mean, he had through four minutes of that Chicago game, he had as many steals individually as Boston or as Chicago had made field goals. Like he just, he, he disrupts everything. It's really fun to watch. Really fun.
2: Yeah. And he, he has a couple of plays, I'm not even gonna say a couple. He has probably made 14 plays this season that are an absolute joke on the defensive end. That it's just insane. He had a sequence last night, and I pointed this out on Twitter. So, so they were playing a cool little style, and and shout out to Doc and uh, I guess Dan Burke for for changing it up finally. Um, you know, after letting. Beal what torch them for yeah. a million? I guess it wasn't necess- It wasn't just the drop coverage was the problem in the second. It was also, the Danny it was Green, the aspect, Danny Green I mean. was <laughs> guarding him. Yeah. So okay, so they put Thibault for the most part on him, and they bring Embiid up, and I you could see Embiid was into it too. He was like, look, this guy has absolutely lit, lit us up for a long time. We're gonna make him do something else. There was possession where Beal drove, he drove by Embiid. With him up. Not not all the way by. And, and he had to pass it out to the corner. Somebody, I think it was Danny Green, came from the weak side and helped. And so Davis Bertans, who, who also got hurt in that game. I mean, that's a guy who's just absolutely lit up the Sixers. I know he struggled this season after getting the big contract, but he's wide open from the corner. That is a nightmare for the defense. Yeah. And Thibel, who was guarding Beal, sees that pass, peels off of Beal, and comes out of nowhere to uh, to contest that shot. Not only does he do that, after Washington gets the rebound, he sneaks back into the play and gets a pick six for a dunk on the other end. It's just, he he has these sequences or single plays or reflexes, whatever you want to call it. It's just a joke when he's got it turned up, though. Uh, they're just plays some teams can't make. Here is a question for you. Does that change your outlook at all on um, on potentially trading him?
1: Well, I mean, it depends what we're talking about. I'm not trading him for, you know, a a backup. No. But if we're talking about Kyle Lowry, like, no, not really.
2: No. And that's the thing. You know, I did a piece with Blake Murphy, great Toronto writer we have.
1: I do have a little bit of a back and forth with the Matisse versus Tyrese Maxey debate. Uh, I still think Maxey has significantly more long-term upside. But, I mean... But Matisse has more. I still have have concern that Matisse might just in two weeks, be unplayable offensively, too. And that's a concern that hasn't quite left me yet. But no, I don't... Like, m- my bar for trading Matisse is still, like, you need a really good current player who will increase your championship odds significantly. Uh, I'm not trading him for Bielitsa, but, like, you know, Kyle Lowry, it would be hard for me to say no, yeah.
2: I would I would say yes to that, too. And the the problem with it is just you don't have a ton of good stuff to trade, so... At some point, you're going to have to attach a younger player to get mm-hmm. somebody of uh, of Lowry's caliber. And hey, maybe that maybe their sticking point is Maxi, and you don't have to throw in Matisse. But with his defense, and, and I know that can run a little bit hot and cold, like the rest of his game, because it's such a unique skill set, and it's not uh you know that there are nights where he's fouling three point shooters, and he's just not as impactful. His defense has a chance to matter in, in a playoff oh, yeah. setting. It just yep. it just does. And he certainly can affect the game more than, than Maxie can now. Does that mean you shouldn't trade him for Lowry if that's what it comes to? He would uh he'd be a funny fit in Toronto too. When I mean funny, it would just be a joke that they are the best rotating block sh- shot yep. teams. Like him and Boucher just running people off the three oh, point he'd, line. He'd
1: annoy the living hell out of you four times a year for sure.
2: Yeah. For sure. Causing havoc. He's he was great. Uh, good performance from him. Good performance from uh from Shake and Cork too. Yep.
1: Real nice to see that from Shake, who has had a little bit of an up and down season. But yeah, they uh, look their bench and and Cork has had two good games here, uh, and not only in the shooting sense. Like he's made a couple good passes off the dribble. He's run some good pick and roll action. He's not uh, tossing
2: it into the third row anymore.
1: No, well, and even some I of those mean, bounce passes to Dwight are working now. It's crazy. It's crazy. No, he, they both played and then he came out and shot much better against the wizards. He's they've, they've gotten good. Like their bench went from an abject failure to lifting them to a couple of wins here that I didn't expect at all. Uh, and that that has been like you mentioned earlier with Embiid now out for an extended stretch or at least a couple of weeks that is uh, picking up these two wins is key. And the bench has been instrumental in that for sure. I'm not sure it changes my outside of shake. Like shake is always going to be in that rotation Outside of that, I don't know if it changes my thoughts on what they should do at the deadline or what they can count on for the rest of the season or for the playoffs. But uh, they've been playing real well, real well, for sure.
2: For sure. I mean, if anything, it could just help them get through the season a little better. I, those wins are to, to bank easy wins at, at different points of the season. It's just it makes it so much easier. to to make it through a season. Like you wonder how these teams like Milwaukee and Toronto, when they had Kawhi, you know, they had 57 wins, despite the, you know, the load management issues. What do you miss?
1: Like 23 games or something that year? I I really think
2: that can matter in the playoffs, being able to get through a regular season and not have to play all these heart attack games with Embiid playing 36 minutes and Simmons and all, all these different things. Obviously you don't want to kill teams all of the time. I think Milwaukee's probably uh ran into that a little bit over the uh over the past few years. But just some nice pressure free wins. That uh that that'll help you in the long term. And yeah, it would be uh, I, I don't think it affects how I would view the bench. Th- there needs to be upgrades. Frankly, you know, as good as Dwight Bradley have played over the uh not Tony past- Howard? No, not Tony Howard, Dwight Bradley. Um as as well as they have played over the past couple of nights, I still think you need a guy who could shoot. We're going to furk
1: uh, on Milton. I mean, I'm going to be playing dual names now for the rest of the day. I'm sorry. Sure, ahead. that's fine.
2: Uh, so yeah, so so it doesn't affect how I would uh, would view this bench. Frankly, you could. I think you could upgrade any spot outside of Shake. Yeah. And and in Dwight's case, maybe it's not an upgrade, but it's just a better fit and. Yep depending on the matchup you might be able to play him a little bit more. It's been it's been good Dwight, I would say the past 2 weeks or so after really bad Dwight for about a month. But yeah. uh but hey, that's cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could use it.
1: All right. So, we'll cut this one pretty short. Um a little bit of a somber podcast, but not a panic podcast, I don't
2: think. I'm just bummed we we can't yeah, talk bummed. about Embiid for 3 weeks. Now.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we head out though, I guess just real quick, like what are you looking for here with him beat out? Outside of Simmons, who are you looking to step up uh tactically, anything you think they can do, something of that sort?
2: Well, Tobias is gonna have to step up too. I mean, he's he's probably gonna have to go from the okay, you're the consistent eighteen to twenty point per game scorer to all right, now you need to play make a little bit more. You're gonna need to get you know, closer to 23 to 25 points per game. Great Tobias quotes after the game last night, by the way, about how uh, if the Philly fans think he was an all-star, they were the same people who would escort him outside of his house (laughs) afterwards. And then he is a bounty on on the East coaches that didn't uh, vote him for the all-star game. So Tobias, he matters a lot. I think Shake matters a lot in in these games because they just – are so bereft of shot creators and you know, that can, uh, that can go poorly. If shake is not, uh, is not creating space for himself and, and making his threes, frankly, um, th- those would be the the two areas. And, and frankly, like they need Dwight and Bradley, despite the fact that Ben is not a, uh, a great fit with either of them. They need them to play competent basketball.
1: Yeah. Shake might be my my key. Like if you can get Shake back to where he was at the end of last season, or even in in, in, in the bubble, um, that gives them you can you can start changing the dynamic and the play style of the team. And he's really one of the few. I do wish they had a a center rotation that fit Simmons a little bit more. Um, you know, when you start looking at some of the on off numbers, it's actually quite staggering. Cleaning Glass had the Sixers, I think, at like a negative six point six without Embiid on the season. Uh, And then they have, it's like a negative 11.9 with Simmons on the court without Embiid. So they're actually worse with Simmons and no Embiid than they are with neither of them on the court. And it's not super small sample size in those numbers either. Uh, We're talking about, I think, 600 possessions of Simmons without Embiid. And I think part of that comes down to, it's just, it's tough to really play Simmons style of play. You know, whenever you talk about the Sixers surviving without Embiid, you go back to 2017-18. When they reeled off those 16 straight victories to end the season eight of which came after Embiid lost a battle with Markel Fultz's shoulder uh, and and (laughs) at the end of that that was a doozy of a of a hit Um, they could change their their um, team to play off of Simmons strengths you had Bellinelli and Ilyasova and Covington and Scharich and JJ and you could just run sprint up and down the floor get to early transition threes um, run Bellinelli Nelly and, and, and JJ through all kinds of screens, you don't really have a whole lot of that right now. Even your good shooters are mostly spot up guys. Uh, once you get off of the starting lineup, your shooting depth and consistency really takes a hit. And you have 48 minutes now of center play who can't shoot outside of a couple of feet. It's a little um, bit of a problem. Um, so yeah. I think it'll be a little tough for them to maximize Simmons than it was a couple of years ago. And how doc figures that out will be key on whether or not they have a, a real chance. And look, if they can tread water here and go, five and five over the next 10 games and Embiid comes back pretty much right after that, they have a chance to compete for the one seat again um, for sure. But doc will need to figure out a way for them to tread water against a, a pretty tough schedule. Uh, and if he does that, I will be pretty impressed.
2: Yeah. That's the tough thing, right? Because if they treaded water or if they do tread water in these games, that's something you would feel okay about even if you had Embiid. So, yeah. so really, I mean, Let's say over this twelve game stretch, they go six and six. That would be a massive victory with uh, with all of these guys. So, you know, they they really could have a losing record and it still not be a disaster during this oh, stretch. the
1: stretch. Last month of the schedule is pretty easy. It's Very pretty easy. favorable for them. Yeah. So you get them beat back. Uh, you maintain your health. God willing, no health and safety protocols come up during that time. <laughs> uh, if you can, if you can tread water here, you still have a chance for sure
2: for sure maybe somebody somebody gets vaccinated during that time too that yeah. would be uh, yep. that would be nice yeah.
1: all right i think uh, i think we'll cut you off there like i said keep this one relatively short don't need to get into too much x's and o's on the last two games because it all got uh, mostly relegated i'm uh, not irrelevant because like you said winning those two will be key in in, in the fight for a top 3 seed or maybe even a, a top seed um but backburnered a little bit because other things came to front of mind. So thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we'll talk to you soon.
2: See you, man.